uncommon sense advice on your work life, your personal life, and God knows what else. Welcome to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. You know, the longer I've been at this uh, self-help game or trying to help others, the more I've become convinced that shorter is better, much better. And so I've tweeted a lot. I've tweeted over 5,000 times since 2009. And I've selected 113 tweets that I think are the best of the 5,000 plus that I think you'll enjoy uh, and find profitable. Now, I, I worry. I'm a worrier by nature. I'm worried that you'll find this um, too dense, too many ideas. But think of it as a buffet uh, of options of which you might pick only a few. But in this less than half hour, you should, it should be worth, worth that time, I believe. And if not, hey, the Internet is filled with uh, uh, alternatives. You can just press stop uh, and find something else. Anyway, uh, the first uh, group of them is regarding self-knowledge. Ask yourself and others, what do people misunderstand about you? Next. Famed psychotherapist Irvin Yalom's go-to question for getting to know someone? Would you walk me through a typical day, starting when you wake up, perhaps a day earlier this week? What does your answer say about you and the role of people and tasks in your life? Consider emulating what you admire in your parents. We'll most likely succeed at developing our parents' attributes than other people's attributes. That's because you've inherited their genes, received their parenting, plus you love them. Write your life's memorable moments from early childhood to today. Do you see any threads? Are there any implications for what you should do now? To move my coaching sessions from the purely cognitive, I ask clients to get in touch with what they're feeling as I play on the piano, uh, a piece that I wrote, you can find it, I think, if you just go uh, romantic love theme Nemco and you on YouTube. Anyway, my clients often find that revealing. Care to try it? Write your obituary. Doing that often yields self-knowledge and directions for life. For example, just not today, but when I wrote this tweet, my clients having written his obituary is making him think about leaving his partner. The next set of tweets is about generating and implementing solutions. Journaling lets you step back to reflect. And journaling is empowering because you generate your own solutions, which you're more likely to implement than something that comes from somebody else. Plus, journaling is free. Have an experimental mindset. Instead of excessive rumination, Take low-risk actions and monitor the results. That applies both at work and in personal life. A way to build in a new habit is to log your progress, and lack thereof, on a memo pad. That's useful, for example, in dealing with procrastination, weight management, and substance abuse. Where possible, allocate your time and your money based on potential, not deficit. As every battlefield medic knows, it's wise to devote limited resources not necessarily to the sickest, but to those with the greatest or at least more potential to benefit. 
That can apply to how much time you spend with various supervisees, colleagues, friends, and to which charitable causes you donate. One of my favorites is donating to fund mentors for gifted kids in working class, you know, blue-collar neighborhoods, because those kids are underserved but have great potential to make a difference for all of us. A side effect of the pandemic is that more people are comfortable with virtual sessions with counselors, doctors, and so on. Also, self-help apps such as Sanvello, S-A-N-V-E-L-L-O, should burgeon. Post-COVID, their use will likely continue growing as maddening car traffic and time-sucking mass transit resume. The next set of tweets is about procrastination. Ever find yourself not finishing a task? At that moment of truth, remind yourself that it's far easier to maintain the momentum than to say, I'll do it later, and then have to start with no momentum. A potent anti-procrastination tactic? Ask yourself, what's my next one second step? That's a nice non-intimidating amount, and you do a few of those and you're rolling, usually. Procrastinators jump from the unpleasant to the pleasant, even when that hurts them long term. Do you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable? The next set of tweets relate to self-esteem. Gurus often imply that low self-esteem is irrationally negative self-assessment. Often, low self-esteem is rational, and so can be a signal that you might try to improve. Perhaps ask trusted people for candid feedback, get a tutor, or take a course. Movies, TVs, books, and so on venerate the rebel and the quirky creative. Underappreciated is the straight arrow, who would have more fun being off-center, but whose sense of responsibility trumps that. A fortune cookie reads, Overconfidence is equal to being blind. I wouldn't go quite that far. But people who crow loud and proud often make blanket pronouncements that insufficiently incorporate other worthy ideas and data. This is a quote from Saul Bellow in his book, The Adventures of Augie March. People knock themselves out over difficult goals because they think difficulty is a sign of it being the right thing. In fact, it comes easily or not at all. It's more efficacious to value yourself more on your efforts, accomplishments, and ethics than on your identity, whether religious, racial, gender, or geography, such as, I'm a New Yorker, or I'm a Californian. The next two tweets relate to sadness and anxiety. For subclinical anxiety or sadness, rather than undue processing of it, it may be worth trying to suppress it and distract yourself with a pleasurable activity or by taking a baby step forward on some constructive task. Don't necessarily accept as valid the praise from people you pay, for example, paid teachers and coaches. Why? Because they benefit from praising you. It boosts the chance that you'll keep paying or that you'll write a better review online. The next set of tweets relates to relationships. Saying thank you in response to praising you conveys that you agree with them without your appearing conceited. Disagree sparingly. You pay a price each time you disagree, let alone criticize, 
assess whether it's worth that price. It often is, but less often so than many people think. Some people who have the gift of looks, charisma, or sex appeal use it to unfair advantage. View a person based on the whole person and overall behavior. That's true not just in choosing a romantic partner, but in who you hire and promote and whose political views you support. Couples may spend too much time remediating weaknesses. Should you focus more on the good that comes naturally, whether sex, chatting, sports, watching TV together, whatever? It's popular to call disagreement with a partner gaslighting, but sometimes one partner is more often correct. Books and movies glorify the badass, but badasses tend to project more confidence than competence and often demotivate others. It may be wiser to work with and be in relationships with gentler, more authentic people. The next set of tweets relates to parenting and family. Leniency is sometimes unwise. For example, at home, a tantrum that works is likely to spawn more tantruming. A romantic partner who promised to do the dishes but, quote, forgot is, if you say nothing about it, more likely to forget more often. To gain a child's compliance, get down to a child's height, perhaps on your knee, and kindly but firmly say, for example, you have 30 seconds to finish with the iPad. If the child refuses, say something like, you know you're better than that, and maybe even take the iPad. You have the right to reasonable compliance. Better a plain school with good kids and teachers than a fancy school with lessers. People endure the strains of family in the belief that family can be counted on in a pinch and they'll accept you with love even if you're not a saint. Alas, in too many families, such expectations are over-optimistic. Family has long been deemed central, in part because having kids was expected and because women had limited earning power and or desire to make money. That's changing. With so many people bitter about at least one family member, it may be that family, along with marriage, will continue to fade in primacy. Career contentment comes mainly from work of moderate challenge and a good boss, co-workers, stability, ethics, and pay. Because of supply and demand, those are more likely found outside of entertainment, make a difference, and other so-called cool careers. Just before I give a talk or record my podcast, I sit down for a few minutes letting whatever float into my head. I'll jot down anything of value. For example, I recently jotted down the word integrity or some important idea to share that I had forgotten about. A rule of thumb for managers who have a supervisee who disagrees, listen, acknowledge why they'd feel that way, decide, and then even if he or she wants to continue the debate, move on. This is also applicable to anyone who disagrees with you. The next two tweets relate to teaching and training. Pace the amount of new information you provide because students get overwhelmed. So intersperse explanations, examples, and humor. That's true also of good fiction writers. Plot progression shouldn't come too fast. A teacher is more likely to be effective if building on the simple rather than explaining the complex. For example, 
If I were teaching adults the art of writing, I might start with page one of a wonderful children's book and ask the students what they like and don't like about it. The next four relate to health. When preparing for a physical exam, inventory yourself from head to toe and then from your morning to bedtime. That will remind you of what to ask about. Most dieters gain it back and often more. Unless you're obese, consider accepting your body. Fine, nibble away at your calorie consumption, but accept your basic self and the occasional cheat. As we observe longtime friends go from running to striding to trudging to needing help, we slowly are trained to accept the inevitable. In these stressful times, gardening, even if it's just your indoor plants, can provide respite from the maelstrom. I'm going to take a 10-second break, and when I come back, I've got more of these uh, how-to-do-life tips, and so I hope you'll stay with me. You're listening to How to Do Life with career and personal coach, Dr. Marty Nemco. If you'd like to work with him, email him a description of your situation, mnemco at comcast.net. That's M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net. Marty is pleased if you choose to subscribe to this podcast. If you're not listening to this on Simplecast, just go to how-to-life.simplecast and click on listen and subscribe. All right. Thank you for staying with me. Here are some more how to do life tweets. Uh, They're on work, procrastination, learning, and emotions. First, regarding work. I gave the following advice to a tough-minded young man who just got a job. While generally following the Stoics, it's important to be kind. Not a doormat, but err on the side of kindness, even if it's not reciprocated. On a meeting's important topic, be the last to chime in. That makes attendees less eager for you to finish so they can add their two cents. And importantly, waiting allows you to incorporate the best of what's been said and to avoid making an obvious mistake. Today, with everyone so busy, it really helps your cause if you're low maintenance. Criticism isn't a dirty word. Tactful criticism, accompanied by a suggestion for improvement, is part of a manager's job. Strike a balance. Criticize too rarely, and you're not providing enough feedback. Criticize too often, and you'll likely demotivate. Job interviews should use simulations. For example, if the person will be running meetings, have him or her lead a brief mock meeting. Also, probe claimed accomplishments. For example, tell me the details about how you saved the company $200,000. Hiring respondents to a job ad is risky. Having coached countless job seekers, on average, weaker applicants do more to hide weaknesses. For example, paper over job gaps and bad job performance. Recruit mainly by getting referrals from trusted colleagues. Prioritize brains over experience. For most positions, intelligence, drive, and being low maintenance trump specific experience or skills. This next group is also related to work, but it's for career and you know job seekers. Ask yourself, what will your next five years look like in your current career? 
What if you had to pick something new? What if you didn't care about money or image? Merge your answers to those questions to develop a goal for yourself. A key question to ask when choosing a career training program, especially in art, music, or journalism, what percentage of students who start the program end up with a career in that field earning at least a modestly middle-class living? Job seekers, compress your job search. Do as much as you can in a week or two. That both more quickly gets your job search done and boosts the chances you'll get more than one job offer at around the same time, which gives you negotiating power. A way to identify a well-suited career niche is to combine a core skill of yours with a core interest of yours. For example, an accountant who's an artist at their core might specialize in doing accounting for artists. I just spoke with a longtime Silicon Valley insider. He says that the media is pushing people to get into computers, whether by being a computer science major or a boot camp, is, quote, crazy. Why? Because employers are hiring coders at five bucks an hour in Asia and for high-level work, 25, maybe 30 bucks an hour. Informational interviews are overrated. As people are ever busier, they're unlikely to grant you one. And even if you get an informational interview, that person's opinion is idiosyncratic it's usually better to use a Google search on the name of your target career, include looking at videos. The amount of salary that you additionally negotiate is taxed at your top rate, and the employer gets nothing in return. So focus on non-cash items, for example, a better suited job description, the right to telecommute for part of the week, a training budget. Externalities need to be considered when explaining differences in merit, but because those are easier to discern and because they provide comfortable excuses for poor performance, in practice, externalities dominate merit, or at least have played too big a role in merit, which is hurting society. Academics assert the Horatio Alger story, the self-made man, that is, they say it's a myth, but in the real world, well, no one is purely self-made. Millions of people are largely so, including immigrants, from potato famine surviving Irish to Holocaust surviving Jews to internment surviving Japanese. The next three relate to procrastination. When it's a choice, many people too often choose not to work. So if you foundationally accept you need to prioritize work, prioritize contribution, prioritize getting stuff done, get in the habit of not even thinking about whether to do your work Make it not a choice. Ritualize a disdained big task. For example, a job seeker might start each day with 10 minutes of procrastination, then two hours of solid job searching, and the rest of the day not worrying about job search, and then repeat. This quote comes from Chuck Close. He is an eminent artist and photographer. Inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. Here's another quote, this is from Andrew Carnegie. People unable to motivate themselves must be content with mediocrity, no matter how impressive their talents. The next group of tweets relates to learning. For four years now, respected colleagues and I meet monthly on freeconferencecall.com for an hour. The structure is simple. I ask who would like to take the floor. Someone shares a problem. The group asks questions and offers suggestions. 
until the person seeds the floor. Anytime you're interviewing somebody, end with a catch-all question. Anything else you'd like to tell me or ask? That can tease out something useful you wouldn't have thought to ask. Working with a tutor is an underutilized, time-effective learning method. Do a bit of self-study and keep a list of questions, which you use as the basis for the next tutoring session. How remarkable that Kindle enables you to obtain millions of books instantly, 24-7-365, the ultimate library. Yes, each book costs, but that's one purchase I'm grateful to make. Reading literature adds to the life well led, but most professional authors opted out of the real world and so have a jaundiced view of that real world. Many people think education's value is priceless and worth the years. Not so much anymore, as colleges now admit so many weak students, which dumbs down classes. So, grade-inflated degrees are ubiquitous, signifying not that much. It's not surprising that Google, Apple, and so on often don't require a college degree for many even professional-level jobs. Colleges certify competence with a diploma, yet many graduates write and think so poorly. And there's a lot of data that supports that. It's amazing that more students and employers don't sue the colleges. Our increasingly censorious environment is reminiscent of early Nazi Germany, when questioning the impassioned orthodoxy didn't yet cause imprisonment, but did result in shunning, even loss of job, and lots of censorship. That forced all but the bravest or most self-destructive people to stay silent. Does that sound familiar? And the final two in this little section is related to emotions. Are you anger prone? Well, once you're incensed, it's hard to control anger. So try to put yourself in situations that are unlikely to trigger anger, a job with few negative surprises and with coworkers you respect, and a personal life with people who are unlikely to trigger you. I predict that mental health apps may well revolutionize treatment of garden variety, anxiety, depression, and ADHD. The 24-7 availability, the top quality expertise undergirding such apps, and the cost is dramatically lower than talk therapy. Okay, the final set of these How to Do Life tweets are on communication, personal growth, work, men, and education. But this first is on communication. When your strongest argument is much stronger than your second strongest argument, stop after number one, or paraphrase it rather than present number two. The latter would dilute your contention's persuasive power. Wait a moment after your conversation partner finishes speaking. That conveys that you're considering what they said, not just waiting for them to finish so you could hold forth. Interrupting does the opposite. When trying to get a person who is worse than you at coming up with solutions, present two or three options and ask, which do you think is wisest? That way, you can offer ideas while allowing the decision maker to the decision making to reside in the other person so their self-esteem isn't diminished. Also, that avoids the antipathy that's common when a person offers advice. When a person doesn't take your advice, take solace in the possibility that you've planted a seed. Surprisingly often, weeks or months later, they'll implement your idea, maybe even thinking it was their own. The next set of tweets relates to personal growth. To enrich their lives, people seek out others, and they travel. Yet without even leaving home, 
we can experience the best thinkers and entertainers in books, magazines, TV, videos, and more broadly, still, certainly, with the amazing internet, especially using Google search, videos, as I said, movies, and articles curated. Don't compete with others. Just try to be a little better every hour, forgiving yourself when you're not. I was quoted not so long ago in the New York Times. I said that the path forward is normally not marked by excessive rumination, but by low-risk actions. Search for the point at which the risk-reward of additional rumination or data collection is outweighed by the risk-reward of making a tentative decision. Then take a low-risk action and revise based on the initial results. Ready, fire, aim. It's perhaps surprising that an effective response to even a serious setback, such as getting fired or a death in the family, is often just, number one, is there a lesson to be learned? And two, replace grieving about it with taking the next step forward. In short, lesson learned, baby step. When stuck, trying to say aloud what your wiser twin would do, whether you're leaving your job, a relationship, or even the street you're walking down, Aim to leave it at least a little bit better than you found it. Don't compete on the trivial, appearance, cars, etc. You know that your life is better led if you focus on more important things. Just act on that belief. It's dispiriting how much human energy goes not into the substantive, but the superficial, marketing, personal appearance, designer labels. Ugh. Books and articles are such trusty, interesting self-enhancement companions. Lack of confidence is sometimes justified. In such cases, the cure is in finding an area or two in which you have the potential to be competent and devote yourself to becoming so. Then your confidence will legitimately increase. Meta-analyses, that is, evaluations of multiple studies, finds that cognitive training does not make people any smarter. Am I the only person who thinks TED Talks are overrated? The mandated formula converts interesting people into robots, leeching the imperfections, the humanity, that differentiate a talk from text. Speakers, list a few talking points and then trust that you will do better by extemporizing. Pop psych cheerleaders. Ugh. Their formula? You're fabulous. Just follow these steps. Have a growth mindset. Grit. Power pose because the creators of those nostrums are at prestigious universities, we genuflect. But fair-minded data, logic, and my experience with thousands of clients indicate that's all hype. Jonathan Y, that's W-A-I, in Psychology Today wrote, quote, we are primed to think that there is a better version of ourselves out there just waiting to be discovered, that one weird trick can change our lives, end quote. It's usually wiser to accept your basic self, Find a place where that core self can thrive and make modest, incremental efforts to improve. The next set of tweets is about work and career. The pressure to win, whether in politics or sales, puts pressure on truth and ethics. Salespeople, stop selling and start teaching and sharing. You'll be more successful, make a bigger contribution, and feel better about yourself. You have many more, often more desirable career choices if you're prudent in your likely number one expense. Choose to live in modest housing. The advantages of having a more desirable, if low-paying career can be far greater 
than the advantages derived from tonier digs. Speakers, in two of my last three speaking events, in the sound check, the audio person said that my volume was fine. But after my talk, the audience members said that they had a hard time hearing me. So when you begin speaking, ask the audience to raise their hand if they hear you well. Even given today's lauded collaborative leadership style, a leader can still order supervisees to do something without lots of mollycoddling and consensus-building turgidity, which too often results in lowest common denominator decisions. Often, you need just gather the needed information and in a positive tone, explain your decision. Done. Reading aloud is a useful skill and not so easy to do well. Key is to imitate natural speech. Speed up, slow down, pause, raise and lower your voice. Some of my most successful and contributory clients believe that their spouse has impeded their ability to make a difference. The spouse wants to spend more forcing the earner into activities more lucrative than contributory. Such a spouse may also demand major help with domestic tasks, which those clients believe are not the most contributory uses of their time. Job seekers, be a statesman, not a salesman. Volunteer a weakness or two. That will eliminate you from jobs at which you'll likely fail, and you'll gain the interviewer's trust, which is crucial to being selected for a job you would do well. This is a quote from Adam Grant, professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. To understand the culture of a company before you join, ask people to tell you stories about things that happened there but wouldn't happen elsewhere. A client asked me how I managed to answer my emails promptly. It's because I recognize that behind the bits and bytes of an email is a human being who would feel valued and respected if I answered promptly and feel disregarded if I didn't. Answering those emails is more important than, for example, my having fun. Many media messages urge us to work less. Have work-life balance. Work smart, not hard, and so on. Yet employees spend a shockingly low percentage of work time actually working. An average, of course there's a big range, an average of 2 hours and 23 minutes per day. No wonder so many employers automate as much as possible and hire as little as possible. Finally, there's robust research into whether diversity, so-called diversity training actually works. Unfortunately, it's not very promising. A single dad with a solid employment track record got laid off and has been unable to land a decent job. Finally, he was a finalist for a good job, didn't get it, and then learned that a person who had a much worse track record got the job because she was of a desired race and gender. I got teary because that has become common. When merit takes a back seat, we all lose. How foolish we are that, especially in romance, but also in the workplace, we let appearance trump substance. Now a couple of tweets on men's issues. When in the 1970s, the male-female college degree ratio was 60 to 40 male, there was massive redress. Now, when it's 40-60, the reverse, no one seems to care. On the contrary, 92% of sex-specific scholarships are reserved for women. Why? The suicide rate for white men is climbing. That is not surprising given society mind molders, that is the media and the colleges and the schools, are relentlessly portraying that, that hard-working sector of white males as evil, foolish, and privileged. If the situation were reversed, 
Wouldn't there be massive spending to reduce suicide among minority women? Why not for white men? The next few tweets relate to education. Instructors try to compensate for students' lack of talent by breaking down the indivisible into parts. Real musicians, real writers, real artists don't use analytic and synthetic models. Mainly, they organically create. If that's not you, beware. Instead, focus on your natural strengths. Assessment data suggests no change in critical thinking from college freshmen to senior year. A more comprehensive assessment of cognitive changes from liberal education is also dispiriting. By the way, every one of these assertions uh, has uh, links to data in the printed version. So you might want to do uh, Google how to do life tweets, what's new, and you'll see the, uh, the articles with the links. The Economist, you know, the magazine, said, quote, improving education has proven harder than making progress in health research and vaccine delivery. Psychology Today blogger Jonathan Y. commented, quote, Bill Gates said, software is an IQ business, and so tech companies hire on candidate characteristics. Thus, the finding that test scores have been harder to budge is unsurprising. A path forward is to start with student characteristics, then education, end quote. This quote from Harvard Business Review. One thing entrepreneurs can agree on, you can learn most outside the classroom and from your own peers. This quote from Bloomberg. Student loan delinquencies surged last year, hitting consecutive records. Unpaid student debt also rose to the highest level. Art or music school? A six-year, six-figure summer camp. In deciding where to devote your charity dollars, consider foregoing the tax deduction. Instead, give to individuals to pay for training likely to have strong ripple effect, but where financial aid isn't available. For example, pay for a gifted kid from a modest-income family to get mentoring. I wonder, if I had dropped out of school in the ninth grade, kept learning, but only what I cared to learn, then began writing essays and selling subscriptions to my work on the internet, might my life, without the liabilities of school and inept employers, have been more satisfying and contributory? In any event, those are 113 uh, of my favorite ideas. I do thank you for watching if you're on YouTube or listening if you're on uh, an iTunes or Spotify podcast. Uh, I like to end each show by saying we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. You've been listening to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. For comments on the show or to consult with Dr. Marty Nemco, his email address is mnemko at comcast.net. Post-production of How to Do Life by Terry Rouse. Music by Blue Dot Session. Thanks for listening.